Uh, man, this has been an amazing series, and I'm excited about it. So I'm just going to dive straight in to uh, what God has to say this morning. And we're going to load up with the gospel according to Matthew chapter 21, verse 6 through 11. Those of you who are ready for the word, say word. Those of you who need time to find it, say I need time. It's on the screens. It's literally on the screens. Find it. We have two big ones. <laughs> no. Here we go. Starting at verse 6, it says this. Uh, the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. All right, for those of you who don't, who don't know this narrative in Matthew chapter 21, this is Jesus' triumphant entry back into Jerusalem. This is right after he decides uh, to, that it's time to go and fulfill his purpose of him being born. And so he decides. And so he tells them, hey, look, you go into town, find a man. He has a, a new uh, baby donkey. And you tell him, I need that donkey. And he's, what do you have need of it? Say, hey, my master has need of it. And so he tells his disciples to go do that. And so it picks up right here. And then they went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. I wish I could stop right there and ask, how many of you are doing exactly as Jesus instructed you? Or are you um, uh, putting a variance on his instructions? You feel like you're smarter than Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love you. That makes everything better. And, and verse 7, and they brought the donkey and the coat and, um, and laid their coats on them. And they sat on, and he sat on the coat, on the coats. Uh, most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him, and those who followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Notice in this particular text that we see the whole town was stirred because of other people's praise. <laughs> oh, you see why I asked you to get excited about Jesus It's because your excitement is contagious. It makes people wonder, who is this Jesus that you're so excited about? We're living in a world in a, in, in a pandemic and, and all this, this stuff that is happening around us, but yet you're still rejoicing. Who is this Jesus? It will stir a city if we get excited about the God we serve. Oh, man, come on. This is good. So we learned over the past few weeks that Lent season is one of preparation removal of baggage and it's time to refocus all these actions are for the overarching purpose of getting closer to Jesus that's what it's for it's it's the overarching purpose to push us closer to Jesus heck after this past year we endured Jesus must become a bigger priority in the lives of believers Right? After all we've been through, the only answer is who? Jesus. Jesus. 
He has to become a bigger priority. So in the text today, we get a glance at the followers of Jesus rejoicing over his coming by declaring, watch this, who he was. They were rejoicing by declaring and stating the obvious. That he is Lord. We need a little bit of that in our generation where people are not hidden secret Christians and are apologetic because of their belief. We need to become uh, uh, religiously indignant to where we don't care that people are talking about us because we serve Jesus Christ. We have to become unapologetically Christian to where I don't care if it step on your toes, but I'm going to preach Jesus. Come on, we can't be ashamed of the God that we serve tiptoeing to church on Sunday and then clubbing on Monday. Preach, Pastor. I am. So they were doing what we call rejoicing. So let me, I'm a definition guy, so let me give you a definition. Rejoice. What does it mean? It means to, to make joyful. Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee. Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee. In my life, I please the... Somebody going to go watch Sister Act after the service. <laughs> <laughs> but it's to make joyful. It's to gladden. It's to animate with lively, pleasurable sensations. To exhilarate. It's to make joyful, to gladden, to animate with lively, pleasurable sensations, to exhilarate. Okay, let me talk to Anchor. Um, um, we have to get a little bit more uh, exhilarated about serving God. We have to make sure that, you know, it, it's... You know, I praise God the way I do. I just like to sit here. I've never once seen you watch LSU score a touchdown and sit there and say, this is how I celebrate a touchdown. <laughs> but when it comes to lifting our hands and opening our mouths and praising Jesus, we believe we have to sit back and fold our hands and be quiet. But I believe I'm in a church that say uh, he's done too much for me for me to keep my mouth shut. He's been too good to me. If you know all the hell I've been through to get to age 41, you would understand why this man is so loud. Come on. The devil wasn't quiet when he was messing with me, so I ain't going to be quiet now that I got the victory. But in the definition, it indicates something. It indicates that rejoicing does not just happen, but it requires an intentional effort. We, we, we hear this all the time, and if you've been in church for any amount of time, you, you've heard this say, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. No, and we read that real fast. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. David was having a conversation with someone. And the conversation he was having was with the person in the mirror named David. And what he's saying is, I lost a child. I got caught cheating. I'm a, I've lied. My children are going crazy. My wife is telling me I'm too passionate about God. But in midst of all of this, I'm fighting wars, people coming against the kingdom of God. I've killed someone because I didn't carry the ark correctly. But because even though all this is happening to me, I will. Bless the Lord at all times. And I'm not going to let what's happening around me happen in me because the old church used to say it this way. This joy that I have 
The world didn't give it and the world what? Come on. So when we're talking about rejoicing, we have to understand it's not just a passive aggressive approach to giving God praise. I, can I let you in on something? I'm dog tired. I did. We did outreach yesterday. Amazing. Beautiful. It was awesome. We were walked 4.2 miles, but then I had to leave from there and then go to my daughter's volleyball game that lasted all day long. We didn't get home till nine o'clock at night. And when I looked at my Fitbit and my watch to see how much I walked, I walked 14,000 steps yesterday and still had to come home, shave that ugly beard off my face and then iron my clothes to get ready for the day, open up the word, get ready to preach to you today and I am dog tired. I ain't want to get up and be here with you. But I had to look myself in the mirror this morning and said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. See, the people were shouting for Jesus would have known that him riding in on that coat was fulfilling prophecy because it was Jewish custom to understand the prophets of old and the coming of the Messiah. So when they saw him riding in on the donkey, they was like, this is it. It's about to go down. Oh, we about to get we we about to get back at these stupid Romans and we about to get back in our right place. Jesus is on his way in. Hosanna, Hosanna. I'm about to get what I've been praying for, the way that I've been praying for. I'm about to get the desires of my heart. God, you are good and your mercy endures forever. You blessed me. You gave me money. You took care of my house. You made my family that was shouting because of that. Is how many of you know it's easy to praise when you get what you want? <laughs> Paul reiterates this in Philippians 4 4 he says rejoice in the Lord always which means to delight take pleasure in him and then he says again I will say rejoice notice in in the text when so for those of you who are students of the Bible whenever you see something said twice in the Bible it is emphasis so the first time is I'm telling you the second time is you ain't hear me so I'm telling you again it's basically a chastisement verily verily Jesus is saying truly no, I ain't playing. Truly, I'm telling you. And so they said twice in the Bible so you can understand. So Paul was writing to the church at Philippi and saying, I'm telling you to rejoice always. And they're like, but Paul, we having all these problems trying to serve Jesus. And he said, again, I say rejoice see we need to recognize that Paul what that what Paul commands here is not just a cheerful disposition. Is not just having a smile on your face and a dance in your feet and a clap in your hands, which many have by nature. Listen, I am naturally a happy person. Okay? I'm naturally a happy person. But rather, it's something that requires supernatural power. It is joy in the Lord. Not joy in the stuff that the Lord gives me. Are you with me? Are you learning something? Are you learning something online? Hey, we're building a some Super Bowl next week. Come on, we got to go. We got to go. And so this is crazy. So we have to ask ourselves a question. So if rejoicing is not about stuff, when should I rejoice then? Who wants to know when you should rejoice? Okay, these are so deep. Look, if I was you, I'll pull a pen and a pad out. This is so deep. Watch this. Number one. 
You should rejoice when you understand. Ooh, that's deep. You should rejoice when you understand. Why? Because we must thank God for trusting us with revelation of who and what he is doing in our lives. Also, when we learn about who Jesus is, when Jesus gives you revelation, that's cause for rejoicing. That's cause to clap your hands and give God praise, right? So when, when else should we rejoice? You should rejoice when you do not understand. Now, that one's deep. When you don't have an understanding, you should rejoice. Why? Because people ask why bad things happen to good people. Why bad things happen to good people? There was someone, there's someone in my family, he suffered a loss, and, and I'm praying for him. They, they, they carried the baby to term, but the baby uh, didn't make it. And so they had to give birth to a stillborn. And he's, he's not really close to the Lord. And so I had to sit down and talk with them about it a week ago. And, and the first thing I said to him was this, I'm not going to sit here and tell you God needed your baby more than you did. I'm not putting this death on God. Ooh, the pastor's about to kick me out the pastor club, but I'm telling the truth. I'm tired of us manipulating and putting bad things on God. The death was not a result of God needing a more. The death was a result of us living in a fallen world. So how is it that I can rejoice when things happen bad? It's because I know God is still in control, but I'm still subject to the fallen state of this world. So how is it that you can laugh in the middle of suffering? Because I know that God is still Lord while suffering is taking place. Did you hear what I said? So I rejoice when I don't understand. So in, in this text, so, so let, me, let me talk about the text. And So in the text, I told you they were rejoicing because they knew the prophecy was being fulfilled. So culturally and religiously, they were spurned to rejoice because of the prophecy that Jesus was fulfilling in this particular text. But you cannot have true rejoicing without true relationship. Religion will sustain a, 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 a hand clap. Religion will sustain a dance. Religious will sustain a shout, but relationship will cause it to go to another level. And so what happened was when they realized that Jesus was not coming to kill all the Romans and put the, them back in power, those same people that were saying Hosanna is the same ones that was yelling crucify him. Mm. You may not be yelling crucified, but you may be yelling, I ain't tithing no more. You may not be yelling, crucify him, but you may be yelling, I ain't serving nowhere. You may not be yelling, crucify him, but you're saying, I'm staying home this week. Y'all going to love me. You're going to love me because I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> Come on. Put my foot down. <laughs> because I'm sick of Jesus being misrepresented in our culture. And so we're telling people the only time God is good is when good happens. That's religion. It's respecting. I will praise you, God, as long as the reciprocal response measures up to the praise that I give you. But if God never does another thing in this world, him dying on the cross was good enough. 
When people do not understand what God is doing, they normally dismiss it and develop their own philosophy over theology. And so they say, if God doesn't do it, uh, obviously it wasn't God. But there's, there is a blessing in the word no. Okay, all my single ladies, it was a blessing that he told you no. Because he went off and became a crazy brother to the next sister. <laughs> Men, you better be lucky they threw your phone number away. Because she will stab you in your sleep. She crazy. She keep a razor blade under her tongue. She crazy. I married her. She crazy. She crazy. <laughs> I should have took the first five no's. Seriously. <laughs> Are you with me? Is this good? Somebody shall rejoice. Luke chapter 19, 37 is, is, uh, is a very uh, pivotal text in the Bible as we lead up to resurrection weekend. It says this, verse 37, it says, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Notice that the praise was a result of a past experience. Yeah. Notice that it is, it is a reciprocating response instead of a response that's birthed out of who he is. All right? So we don't want to be those people. And they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the same account from Luke's, the physician's perspective. He says, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher or rabbi, rebuke your disciples. And I love what Jesus said in verse 40. He said, I tell you, if these were solid, the very stones will cry out. I, I, I struggle as a pastor. I'm, I'm, I struggle because of my personality. I, I, I struggle. I struggle uh, with the thought that people can't love Jesus as much as I do. And, and we'll have powerful worship like we had this morning. And people will sit back and get caught up in it's not their favorite song instead of who the song is being sung about and understanding that their song should be sung to God. I don't care if, if it was just, they were singing in the key of Z flat and none of the words rhymed. If it's about Jesus, it's worthy of a hand raise. If it's about Jesus, it's worthy of us singing a melody from our heart to Jesus. Guys, we got a shift. And, and I love what Jesus says. He says, I, you know what? I'm so worthy of praise that even if you want to stiffen your neck and not praise me, I'll cause the very rocks to cry out. I, I, listen, I, I, I believe, I believe, this is me, I believe this, that if, if we don't get radical enough in our expression of our love for Jesus, these chairs will get up and dance around this building. Listen, I've preached to chairs before. They all got saved. Best congregation I ever had. They never gave me lip, never got an email back from them, never, never got a bad comment on Facebook. I'm serious. It was chairs. My, parent, my, my wife didn't went even in church then. They, she, she had to stay home. She had just had a kid. So it was just me and the chairs. We were having fun. I was preaching too, boy. I preached a lot harder than I preach right now too. 
Man, I was sweating out my clothes. And, but those chairs, they gave God some praise. Can I, can, I, can I dive deeper in theology? Can I help you? Lucifer in heaven, the morning star. They call him the, the praise and worship leader of heaven. He was really just the, the, the lights and the pipes, okay? But it was the wind that caused the sound. And who's the wind? The pneuma, the ruach, the breath of God, the spirit of God. But he got confused that he thought he was the one producing the sound. And the Bible says he got very full of pride and he walked to God and he said, I will, I will, the Bible says, behold, I beheld Satan fell from heaven like lightning. Where did he land? On earth, the jewels and everything in the ground. Where were you created from? <laughs> the thing he once had now is in you. The praise that fell from heaven is found in the rocks. I am so getting myself excited. I just want to run. I love the word of God. See, I remember saying praise him when you understand. He's giving revelation. And so when God created you, the reason Satan hates you so much is because what he used to have on is down in you. That's why dogs, cats, wolves, bears can't sing the way you sing or feel what you feel for Jesus. It's because the very thing that, that was going on in heaven 24-7, he now gives us the privilege to get in on. And so that's why he said if they don't cry out, these rocks going to cry out. And I don't know about you. I'm not going to let them get in my place. So I'm going to be the loudest, most radical praiser on the earth. No one will outpraise me. You try it. Let's go. We can have a competition. It's like a basketball game. Come on. I'll pull an Achilles tendon trying to outpraise you. Don't you mess with me. Let's go. So five reasons we should rejoice in the Lord. Five reasons. Number one, he made us guilt free. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, you're guilty. Now look at your other neighbor and say, but I'm guilt-free. See, I'm guilty, but I don't have to wear the guilt. Why? Isaiah 55, 53, 5 says this. He was wounded for our rebellious acts. We're building. We're building towards next week. He was wounded for our rebellious acts. So he made us guilt-free. We all deserve punishment from God. God said when Adam fell, he was like, something has to die. So he, he covered Adam and Eve in the garden. He, he resurrected. I mean, he, he, he had Cain and Abel. Cain slew Abel. And then he was like, oh, man, this messed up. And then he brought some other generations in. Abraham tried it, but he wasn't good enough. You know, Moses tried it. He wasn't good enough. And then David tried it. He wasn't good enough. And all these people tried it. They were not good enough. Then the Bible said he looked around to find someone to swear by, but he couldn't find anyone. So he swore by himself. And then for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, God said, my punch is so hard, I can destroy them all. I have to put someone to take the punishment that will kill them. And he swung, but he hit Jesus. 
That's the brutality of the cross. God reared back to Mm, to inflict punishment on your life but Jesus stepped up and said don't hit him hit me so I don't have to walk around guilty because look if he tried to punish me for that now it's called double jeopardy you can't convict me of what I'm already called innocent of oh come on Come on, so don't you let your friends lie to you. Don't you let your cousins them lie to you. Don't you let people on Facebook lie to you. You are guilt free. Another way, I got to move, I got to move. Y'all keeping me going. I got to move. We're not only guilt free, but he cleansed us from the sin. So not only did he say not guilty, he says the, the, the evidence that was on you, I'm washing you of that. I'm going to wash you of the evidence. Isaiah 53, 5, the B thing says, he was crushed for our sins. The Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death, according to Romans. So according to scripture, we all have sin and deserve death. But how many, you know, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. I was talking with someone yesterday and I'm praying for her right now. What's Reagan's mom name? I always forget. Hmm? Megan, Megan, she'll be visiting with us. But Megan, we were talking and she said, I have a blood. I had a blood disorder. And when they checked my blood, I only had six pints of blood in me. I don't know about you, but you, you may not understand what the significance of that is. Everybody in here has at least 13 to 15 pints of blood in their body. She had six. And she's walking around and her body is not getting what it needs to sustain itself. It's like when your car is running on fumes. There is nothing going through your body. The blood is life. The blood carries everything. She has six pints of blood. And, and so they had to give her a transfusion, but they could not inject just the, the missing amount of blood into her body. They had to incrementally, incrementally increase the blood in her body that she can have sufficient life but Jesus went to the cross and he didn't incrementally shed his blood he spilled his blood and when his blood spilled it was a transfusion that took place your blood you were born into sin and shaped in iniquity and he says I'm giving you a blood transfusion and the thing that was in your DNA that said you needed death he said you can be born again and now you have the blood of Jesus over your life and when the enemy comes before God preach when the enemy comes before God and accuses you of everything you've done Jesus said that's under the blood somebody shout the blood still works it still works Jesus washed us clean move pastor I am I'm trying and the third thing he did was he gave us peace Isaiah 53, 5, he was punished so that we could have peace. Jehovah Shalom, he is our peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Not peace as the world promises, but peace that only comes from God himself. I'm here to tell you that every troubled moment in your life, every chaotic situation is now peace. 
peace be still. That's why Jesus could talk to storms that was spinning out of control and tell storms they see the problem is this we look at a storm and we think that there is no peace in the storm but there is always an eye in the middle of the storm and God says there are storms all around you but I'm having you traveling in the eye so everything that everybody else experienced in Roland it never will touch you because you are in a peaceful place you're covered by Jesus he was punished so that we can declare that we have peace they're gonna think you crazy they're gonna think you messed up because they know your money funny they know your boyfriend and walked out on you they know you having marital issues they know that you having trouble believing God but you're still screaming the name of Jesus and you just tell them how can you do that you say because he was punished that I can have peace I have peace there are many things in this world that causes chaos, but Jesus is the Prince of Peace. C.S. Lewis says this, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing without, you cannot have peace without Jesus. And we're watching the great falling away in our generation, people walking away from Jesus. And, and let, let, me, let me slide to the left a little bit and talk about something. I know we've been digital. And, and look, I understand those of you who are watching online, but there's no substitute from the fellowship of the believers because here it is. You can sit at home, but you're missing out on a piece that will sit next to you. Wow. It's time to come home. Come on. The church is open. My favorite line in old brother, where out thou? Come on in, fellas. The water's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Jesus gave us access to the spirit of God. Now we have access to walk in perfect peace. The next one is this. He healed us. He healed us. We receive healing from his wounds. There's a problem with this statement right now in our generation. Because we shrunk the meaning of getting healing from Jesus. Healing is still the believer's inheritance. You see, this healing has been reduced in our generation to, oh, God, he, he just want to heal you emotionally. But I'm a Bible believing Christian. I believe that he wants to heal your body, too. Listen, anchor, we about we, we about to kick it in. Oh, we're going to lay hands on the sick and believe God that they recover. We were out walking, passing out flowers yesterday. A lady, she said her sister was sick with cancer. I stopped right there. We prayed for healing. Amen. I'm not ashamed. Why? Because it's a promise. Amen. By his stripes, we are healed. Well, pastor, we don't want to offend people telling them that God can heal them. What happens if they die? They're healed. Ain't nobody sick in heaven. Ain't no cancer in heaven. Ain't no COVID-19, 22, or 37. Come on. Come on. But I believe that it's not just for then, but it's for now. He's healed me so many times. He's healed me so, so many times. He's never failed me. And he wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. Who believes that? He wants to hear your family. How many of you know someone who's sick? 
Don't you know God wants to heal them? That's an inheritance. It's a promise from God. And lastly, he keeps his promises. Why should we rejoice? Because he keeps his promises. First Corinthians 20 through 22 says this. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great, I, the great amen. God's yes is our yes together. Gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with this eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. A sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. In the words of the great Louisiana prophet, I guarantee that by his stripes, we are healed. And all these things are promises of God. They're promises. They're promises. Isaiah 61.10, I want to end with this. Everyone stand to your feet. It says, I will sing and greatly rejoice in Yahweh. I will sing and greatly rejoice in Yahweh. I will sing and greatly rejoice in Yahweh. My whole being vibrates with shouts of joy in my God. For he has dressed me with salvation and wrapped me in the robe of righteousness. I appear like a bridegroom on his wedding day, decked out with a beautiful sash or like a radiant bride adorned with sparkling jewels. This is the eagle eye prophet Isaiah telling us we can rejoice because his word is true. We can rejoice. He clothed us in salvation. He's wrapped us up in his righteousness. And so now we can rejoice. How many of you feel a little joy in your heart? I hope I preached you happy this morning. You know, just preached you happy. But there is a joy. So, what's up, Christian? Bro, I didn't even notice you. You all swollen, buff back there, man. What's up, bud? But I want you guys to understand the joy of the Lord is our. The joy of the Lord is our. Come on, talk to me. The joy of the Lord is our. And so there's no enemy in hell that can stop him. There's no grave. Paul was copping deuces with grave. You don't know what copping deuces is? That means he was talking trash. He's like, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, grave, where's your sting? Don't you know we have that same power? Next week, I'm going to skillfully and try to find a way to tell you that the tomb's empty again. I'm, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure something out. I don't know. Right now, my message for Easter is, you have hope because it's empty. Let the church say amen. That's my message for next week. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I wrote a bunch of stuff down on paper, but I, I, I'm just like, God, this is simple. You rose again with all power in your hand, and you've given that same authority to us as the believer. So, guys, we're going to take a few minutes here and rejoice because we serve the one true God. Do you know that?
We serve the one true God. Come on, death could not hold you. Death could not hold you. Come on, you got to be ready. Come on. Silence the pulse of sin and grace. Come on, let's sing it out. Yeah. Praise of your glory. For you are raised to life. You have no rival. Come on, say it. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name. Come on, what a powerful name. Come on, let's What a powerful name. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Come on, let's sing it out. Come on. Death could not hold you. exercise our faith I want us to take a minute I'm going to count to three and I want you to scream and shout to Jesus because we know about the victory see remember I said their praise was predicated on something that was already done but we're going to praise God for what he hasn't done what he's doing come on we're going to praise him for future things. We're going to praise him for our communities being healed. We're going to praise him for our state being rectified. We're going to praise him for people coming back into the house of God and loving Jesus. We're going to praise him for the healing of the nations. 
watch this we're going to praise him that sin be eradicated from the lives of the people we are praying for and we're going to praise him for the lives that will give their lives to Jesus on next week for Easter can, can we do that alright so when I praise him I want y'all to get real big behind me now we're going we're gonna to have a Baptist Pentecostal Kojic moment here okay alright we <laughs> Hey, look, and if you're standing next to somebody to get a little wild, if you get wild, when they raise their hand, it won't hurt you as, as bad, okay? But I want you to throw chairs over, not at me, but over. <laughs> Just play. But we want to get crazy, all right? We want to get crazy for Jesus because we're celebrating something big. And when I'm shouting, look, y'all can hear my voice almost gone already. But I'm going to shout. Those of you who are watching online, I want you to shout in the chat. How you do that? All capital letters. <laughs> All capital letters. I just want you to shout for the victory of God. All right? Y'all ready? I'm letting it build. I'm letting it build in your heart. Y'all ready? One. Come on. See that family member. See that broken body in the hospital. See somebody trapped and wrapped up in sin that want to get free, but they don't know how to get free. But just like Paul and Silas at midnight, when you shout, the fetters and the bands on their ankles will be broken and they'll be let free too. Three, somebody let out a shout of praise in this place. Come on, praise him, Jesus! Thank you for listening to this message from Anchor Chapel. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries or to support us, you can do that at anchorchapel.com. You can also follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.